Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. A man called Paul. A man called Paul. He is, next to Jesus and Peter, probably one of my favorite biblical figures. He's an amazing, amazing man of God. He wasn't always a man of God, but he was at one time, because he was at one time, a murderous, hateful person who despised Christianity. If you weren't here last week, I hope you'll go online and and watch the sermon. Uh, And it really kind of, I'm going to give you a real brief recap. He was a Roman citizen. He was also a purebred Israelite, although he was born outside of Israel. He was born to two Hebrew parents, and he was raised in the Jewish faith. And so he had the advantage of both being fully Jew and fully Roman, right? And he was a member of the Pharisees. He was a religious ruler. He was holier than thou. He had authority, and he hated you, and he hated me because we love Jesus. In fact, he hated us so much that he had notoriety for it. I want you to think of someone that's known for hating something good today. They have notoriety. Think of Adolf Hitler. When you think of Adolf Hitler, do you think of anything good? Nothing good. Um, Full of evil. I believe he was possessed of an evil spirit. He had power. He had persuasion. And he was head to toe wicked. And his reputation preceded him. So it was with the Apostle Paul. His reputation went before him to the cities that he would enter. He hated Christianity so much, he went to the chief priests and he asked for letters of authority so that he could enter into any synagogue that was in any city and take these people captive who worshipped Jesus. Bring them back in chains to Jerusalem, men or women, he didn't care. He hated Christianity. And then he was on his way to Damascus with those letters in hand to wreak havoc in the church of Jesus Christ when a light shone from heaven and he met Jesus. And he met Jesus and it transformed him. He was a changed man. He fell on his knees and he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And it's an amazing, amazing moment where someone who hated Jesus and everything he represented fell on his knees before Jesus and said, what do you want me to do? What a testimony for the veracity of Jesus Christ. What a testimony for Christianity, the, authentic, uh, the authenticity of Christianity. That someone who hates it so much could have such a change of heart. And when we say hate it, I, can't, I cannot emphasize this enough to you. He wanted to kill people. He stood by and consented unto the death of one of the early deacons of the church. His name was Stephen. So this was Paul. He was, uh, as we ended last week, he was a, a man on a mission. He was a man 
on a mission. His mission was to destroy the church. He, he called them, referred to us as people of the way. People who followed Jesus. Now, I hope you're all in Acts chapter 9. Um, <clears throat> if you have your Bible app, it's the Version Bible app. You can go to the menu, events, and you will find there this sermon material, place to write notes. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 9, verse number 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said, <clears throat> and, and I can't breathe. Hang on a second. It's a lot of dust, apparently, when you're vacuuming. <clears throat> I think the enemy doesn't want you to have this message today. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so he might receive his sight. So when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was blinded by the glorious light of Jesus Christ. And so he's sitting in this house and he's blind. He can't see, but he has had a vision of Ananias coming to him and laying hands on him. So Ananias answered, and here's, this, is, this is so cool. He's, Lord, <laughs> I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Now remember what I said a moment ago, his reputation has preceded him. And the church is, I think, reasonably wary of this man, Paul. He's a killer. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my, names, my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show to him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So Paul is a Baptist, we learn that. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed. And they said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? He has, he has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased in all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that he, that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Let's press pause here for a minute. They were on Paul's team when he was on his way to Damascus, right? These Jewish leaders. 
They were his friends. They were his supporters. They were cheering him on. Now, the tables have turned, and they want to kill him. They don't just want to kill him. They are plotting to kill him. They have a plan. They are watching the gates of the city day and night. And so, the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples again, but they were afraid of him and did not believe that he was was a disciple. In fact, listen, would you not assume that this is all a a charade? Would you not assume that, that he's coming at you in disguise so that he can mark all of you that are gathering in Jerusalem so that he could then do to you what was done to Stephen? I think they had a reasonable, right? wariness, but Barnabas, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, that's the leader of that, leaders of that church in Jerusalem, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they, again, attempted to kill him. And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. This is the apostle Paul. So what can we learn? Again, we're doing this series, Stories, and we're asking the question, what can we learn from the stories of these people of faith? And, and the first item that I want to bring to our attention is, is this idea of hardship. This idea of hardship. Paul has unquestionably and will continue to unquestionably suffer hardship in his life. I was just trying to comfort someone before the service who is in the midst of hardship. God calls us to suffering. It's not a comfortable call or else it wouldn't be called to suffer. So in the passage we read something that... I remember a number of years ago, as I was just going through the book of Acts, and I think I was just reading up on the life of Paul, a number of years ago, I came to this verse, and I remember that it shook me. It blew me away to the point, I I, I believe I preached a message on it, I would find it hard to believe that I didn't, because it was amazing, and it shook me, and I believe it should shake you. This is what what Jesus said when he spoke to Ananias, for I will show Paul how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Did you catch that? So Paul is going to see his suffering before he suffers. Are you, are you, are you with me here? It's like, um, it would be like the Lord calling me to preach back in 19, I don't know, 88. And, and in that call, it would be like the Lord saying, okay, Eric, I'll call you to preach. In order for you to be the kind of pastor that I need you to be, I'm going to allow this to happen to you. You're going to have a child, she's almost going to die. She's then going to be disabled, and then later on she's going to go into psychosis. And this is all for the benefit of your church. You have to go through this so that they can benefit from your suffering. Because we comfort others with the comfort that we've been given. 
He's going to say, hey, you're going to also suffer legalism. You're going to suffer this. You're going to suffer that. And he, he laid it out and said, okay, Eric, you ready? Let's go. How many of you would have said, well, all right. Anybody? Paul did. This is remarkable. Because folks, remember, I know that some of you are suffering. You say, why am I suffering? You're suffering for the benefit of those around you. There is a purpose in your pain, and it is found in your mission with Jesus Christ. Don't waste it. But Paul the Apostle was told beforehand the things that he was going to have to, have to suffer. And those things would make the strongest of us pale. He was stoned. He, oh my goodness. He, was, he, he had to... Well, you just read it with me. He had to be let down in a basket at night to escape people who had formerly been his friends who wanted to kill him. He was incarcerated. He was bitten by snakes. He was shipwrecked. Oh, my word. He, he appeared before kings and, 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 uh, and leaders and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was, he was presented before a crowd, and they almost, listen, the, the, the Bible says that the centurions that were there went down to rescue Paul because there was such a furor over Paul that he was afraid that the two crowds would rip him in two. I mean, Paul saw some suffering. He saw some hardship. He saw the kind of hardship that few in our world would have said yes to the mission if they had seen. He was flogged, beaten, betrayed. And according to a Christian, 4th century Christian historian, he was beheaded finally by Emperor Nero in Rome. He spent his final days as a servant of Jesus Christ, incarcerated by one of the most wicked emperors Rome had ever seen, Nero. In fact, when Rome burned, Nero took the opportunity to blame the fire on Christians. It's an amazing story. I, I, I hope that you'll maybe even look up a little bit about Nero. In verse 23, we read, After many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Uh, he tried to join the disciples, but they would not have him. He went through it. And then he boldly spoke in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, and they attempted to kill him. This would be the story of Paul's life for the rest of his life. Preaching, establishing churches, running. <laughs> Preaching, establishing churches, being arrested, being beaten, being stoned. There are some theologians that believe God resurrected Paul from the dead one night on the road because they had stoned him and left him to die. And when they stoned you, you didn't live. And so I agree with these theologians. But he faced death in a very literal sense, and he knew it before he went on his mission. How many of you would do that? If we would have, listen, if we would see the risen Christ the way we ought to see him, it would enable us, it would enable us to go through all kinds of suffering with a spark of joy in our hearts. The beautiful thing about Paul is that as you read the scriptures, you don't see bitterness invading his life. 
You see a man that is on a mission and he is committed to his mission and he is committed to his Messiah and no matter how many times he's betrayed, no matter how many times he is, he, is, he is stoned, no matter how many times he is incarcerated, no matter what happens, he's a man on a mission, his Messiah was worth it, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and that changed everything. We need a fresh vision of Jesus Christ in our lives today. When you're called to give it up for Jesus, if you're not walking with Jesus and you're not praying that you can see him with spiritual eyes, you are not going to be a man on a mission the way Paul was. God doesn't play games. He wants us to know that his son is with us. Can I get an amen on that? The Bible says that Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Can I get an amen on that? I'll share it with you. I shared, I think, last week about the the blessing of my daughter Kirsten and her transition into her new caregiving uh, place with Pabita and Ram. And most of you that are part of our church family walked with us through this really difficult time. And it, and it was going to be an impossible task to transition Kirsten from a woman that she was with for five years, who was her caregiver, whom she referred to as mom. So those of you that are sitting here and you're going, I have no flipping idea what you're talking about. Real quick, my daughter Kirsten, she's 28 years old, she'll be 29 in January, she has cerebral palsy, she has psychosis, she almost died when she was born, and five years ago she went into residential services, it was a big move, it was important, she needed it, we needed it, it was awesome, and she's been great for five years, and then she had a mental breakdown again, in the middle of COVID-19, her caregiver gave her notice, and we were going, wait, what? Because it's very difficult to get caregivers, caregivers of quality. And we didn't want to just settle. And so we began the process of trying to find a new place for Kirsten, new caregivers, caregivers for Kirsten in the middle of COVID-19 when you couldn't meet people face-to-face. And we we're doing Zoom meetings. <laughs> it was just insane. And as I was walking out my door, the back of the church over here to my parsonage, the, the house on the corner, because I know you're all saying, what does this have to do with having a fresh vision of the risen Christ? This is what it has to do. With. I was walking out. And I said, Lord, I need to see you. Where are you in all of this chaos? Where are you? You said you'd never leave me. You said you'd never forsake me. Things are looking pretty grim right now. It's not looking good. And as I was coming to the door of my house, the back door there, I'm opening the door, I felt, not physically, but spiritually felt a hand on my shoulder. And it was as if the Lord Jesus come alongside me and he said, hey, son, I've got this. And he said to me in my heart, it's going to be difficult, but it needs to happen because it will be so much better for Kirsten. So you need to go through this but I've got it. It's going to be tough, but I've got it. We all need that kind of, listen, we all need that kind of fresh view of Jesus, don't we? Have you ever thought of asking Jesus, hey, where are you in this? Where are you in this? I need to see you, Lord. Where are you? Now, he didn't give me, I can see him physically, but he was there, and he gave me such assurance that I, mean, I think you could talk to my wife and ask her. I've never been like this, where it was just sort of like, hey, God's got this. God's got this one, one fail. We went to try to, we checked out a house for her 
There was no way she could get in this house. It was almost a done deal. We were excited about it. We got to the house, and it was like, there is no possible way they can build a ramp to get into this house. It's impossible. Boom, shot down. Another one was shot down. Another one was shot down. But all through it, I remembered this. Got to get a fresh view of Jesus, and you can go through suffering and chaos with a little bounce in your step. And a spark of joy in your heart. And I'm not saying it wasn't hard. I think you guys that walk with me in a personal, you know it's hard. But I always remembered that moment as I walked to my house where he put his hand on my shoulder and said, son, I've got this. And so, you know, let down after let down, I would look at Trish and I would say, he's got this. And I think my wife felt the same way. We didn't have any kind of panic. It was an amazing thing. This is how Paul was able to stay on mission because he had a fresh view of his Savior. He knew that Jesus was with him every step of the way. And far too often, we, we lose sight of our Savior and we fail at our mission because we're trying to do it in our own strength. Paul changed from loathing to love. Meeting Jesus impacted not only Paul's life, but it impacted the lives of millions upon millions upon millions of people. Matter of fact, if you're sitting here this morning, you're in a church that is a Christian church, and the reason you're here is because Paul the Apostle completed the mission God laid before him. He was responsible for the spread of Christianity around the world. His life was characterized by the word mission, probably more than any other word. He would not be stopped. He would not be deterred, beaten, ridiculed, betrayed. He remained on mission. And what was the mission for Paul? What was the mission for Paul? To make disciples of Jesus Christ. To share the good news of salvation with as many as he could. And to bring those who trusted in Jesus to maturity. That's why we have all these letters that he wrote. Most of the New Testament are letters that Paul wrote to either Christian men or to Christian churches so that they could grow in grace. The wickedness of his past was used by God to train and prepare Paul as a witness for Jesus. In fact, as we go through this, we're going to see that he stood before rulers and he shared his testimony and how Christ had saved him and changed him. Jesus said, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. What was his mission? Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Oh, my word, this is, this is the mission of Paul. And can I share with you, this is our mission as well. He moves on to Jerusalem, and again, he's not accepted right away because of his horrid past, and it took Barnabas to convince them to let him in, and this is Paul's mission, to raise up disciples for Jesus, to train people who know him, to bring to maturity those who have trusted in him. Later on, the same Barnabas would bring him to Antioch, and in Antioch, him and Barnabas would co-pastor this new church. And raise them up into spiritual maturity until the Holy Spirit said, okay, it's time for you to go out to other towns and cities and nations and witness for me. 
This was the Apostle Paul's mission to spread the gospel. He preaches to the Jews at cities of Cyprus, beginning in Salamis. He preaches to average people. Paul didn't, listen, he, he, didn't, he didn't limit himself to just going to synagogues. He went by the river, and he saw some people doing their laundry by the river, and he would go and he would share Jesus with these people. One of them was Lydia, and she ended up being a, a, a founding member of a church. He preached to kings and priests and princes, Agrippa and Herod and Caesar. He let nothing stop him. He was confident in his calling because he was confident in his Lord. Wherever he went, Jesus was with him. In fact, Jesus is here with me on this platform, holding me up, preaching to you. I I wouldn't do this without him. And so, how does that impact us? That's not a nice slide. Paul is a man on a mission. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Worship team, you can come forward. I know everybody's going to be in shock. I want to drive this point home. Paul was a man on a mission. And the whole idea of stories is how can we learn from those who have gone on before us? How do their lives or can their lives impact our life? And I was kidding about this slide. You have to have it. Is our walk with Jesus a convenience or a commission? Paul knew the suffering he was going to have to endure. And he said yes to the mission. He said yes to the mission. In spite of his knowledge, in spite of knowing what was coming, in spite of hardships, in spite of, listen, he knew his friends were going to forsake him. Paul knew, listen up, Paul knew, I'm just going to keep staring at you until you look back. Paul knew that he was going to have to, listen, be forsaken by his friends in order to follow his Savior. Are we willing to accept that today? Or is our Christianity a convenience? Is church a convenience to us? Is it something we come to when it's easy? Is trunk or treat really cool if it's, if it's easy for us to participate in? But I mean, if it makes us miss a little bit of trick or treat for our kids, we're not going to come. Is our walk with God a convenience or are we commissioned? Well, you know the answer if you've been following Jesus for any length of time. If you're new to Christ, can I share with you? You have a mission. You have been commissioned by Jesus. He said, go ye into all of the world, to every nation, and teach them all the things that I have told you. Right? This is our commission, church. We don't have a choice. God may not have shown us all the suffering that we'll have to face, and he probably hasn't because he knows that, unlike Paul, we might fold like a house of cards. In fact, many of us have, haven't we? Just think about it for a second. In your life, you faced hardship, and instead of 
looking for Jesus in the struggle and looking for Jesus in your suffering, you looked away from him. You looked away from Jesus and you focused on self. And when you focused on self, listen, what happens when we focus on self and not the Savior is everything gets darker and darker and darker and darker and darker until we can't really see anything else. I speak from experience. I wish that I could tell you that I'm like the Apostle Paul and all these things, all these things that my wife and I have gone through, that we went through them like we went through this year with our heads up and saying, oh, I know Jesus has got this, but that has not been my experience. Not through this whole time. But I'm grateful to God that He doesn't throw us away when we fall fail. He doesn't throw us away. He doesn't give up on us. And he said, okay, it's going to take Eric a little bit longer to learn how to suffer well. So he gave us another chance and introduced us to another trial. And another trial and another trial. So maybe you have fallen. Maybe you've failed. Maybe you have been faced with suffering and you've turned inward instead of outward. Instead of looking for Jesus, you've looked at self and you've lost your way. Can I challenge you? Look back to Jesus. Because here's the reality, here's the truth. When Paul was in prison, Jesus was there. Right? When Paul was being stoned, Jesus was there. When he was being chased, Jesus was there. When he was betrayed, Jesus was there. When he was standing before the ruling religious class in Jerusalem, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus was there when they grabbed one arm of Paul and the others grabbed the other arm of Paul and they were pulling him back and forth until the centurion said, we got to go down there and get him out or they're going to tear him apart. Jesus was there when he had to stand before kings and priests and rulers. Jesus stood with him. Matter of fact, one of his quotes is he said, although no man stood with me, the Lord stood beside me. There were times when Paul fell all alone. Now, whether it was reality or perception, I don't know, but he felt like everyone had left him, but his testimony was this, the Lord stood with me. He stands with you too. If you know him, he has stood with you this whole time, and he will never leave you. How does that impact our convenience or commission? Well, I hope it stirs your heart. That, Lord, I'm going to pull out of this, all the stops. And I am going to follow you like the Apostle Paul. I'm not just going to worship you when it's easy. I'm not just going to come to church when it's easy. I'm not just going to serve you when it's easy. I'm going to complete the calls that you've put on my life for your honor and for your glory, because I know this, you stand with me. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.